every Green Diva needs a sidekick. At the Green Divas radio show, they're called Green Dudes. Time now for a deeper shade of green from a guy's perspective. All right, so we have a very exciting new Green Dude series with this very wonderful guy who I think is going to bring an awful lot of interesting stuff to our Green Dude segments. Dr. Woodrow W. Clark II, also known as Woody, affectionately, uh, he's the author of at least a dozen books that are related to green tech, green economy, uh, sustainability. Uh, He's an entrepreneur. He's a retired professor from the University of California. The list goes on. He's just amazing. You got to go look him up. And look up, you know, all the stuff this guy's doing. So aren't we lucky to have Woody with us today? Hi, Woody. Hi. How's everything back east? Well, you know, you can hear my voice. I sound a little more like Batman than I used to, but I'm on the mend. (laughs) Okay. So, you know, there's so many things that you and I, I mean, we talked before we, we started recording, and there's just so much to talk about. And whenever you and I have gotten on the phone now, which has been a couple times, You know, there's just so much. And the good news is there is a lot of technology and and advancements and progress in some of the solutions that we need in order to to live more sustainably on this planet. And you were going to kind of at least start scratching the surface with some of the stuff that, that you're aware of. Well, I think the first thing to do is I refer to myself as a qualitative economist, and that's because I want to know the definition and meaning of numbers and words and statistics. And that has to do with the fact that when I was serving Governor Davis as his renewable energy advisor at the turn of the 21st century, we had a company giving us numbers that didn't make sense, one plus one equals seven. <laughs> and the company was Enron, and I was the one that started the investigation into that, which turned into things that's all history now, but it's still occurring. So I like to refer to what we're talking about now is green energy, green development in the broader context, not clean. There's a big difference between something that's clean and green, and we have to be careful about that. Because there are people who used to say diesel was clean energy. Right. And as all you probably know, with Volkswagen in particular, it's no longer that, and they're paying $4.2 billion in a fine. So the point I'm trying to make is we have to see where we're going in a green context, and hence that's part of one of my books, The Green Industrial Revolution, which is what we're in now, uh, a new kind of revolution that's really turning the entire world upside down in a different way. That's important, and there's a lot more I can say about it, but it has a lot to do with technology. It's good for the environment, good for our health, good for our communities, and good for our lives, and particularly our children and grandchildren to be. So one of the things we thought... I, I could go on and on, though, if you I want. Know, I know, I know, I know, and, and yeah. we, we are. We're going to have a lot of fun, Woody. There's going to be a lot of these segments because there's a lot to say and a lot that we want to make sure people learn about and understand. And you're so good at explaining it to us. So one of the things you thought we might zero in on a bit is on-site energy. And it's funny, my husband is in the energy uh, business so I'm, I'm, I'm always trying to understand it, but talk, explain what you were trying to explain to me briefly before. Well, the long story is that at the turn of the 19th century into the 20th century, we had energy coming from what are called central power systems, and that was particularly done with Edison and a few other people uh, in the East Coast. 
and all of it was coming from uh, power generated due to coal. That changed a bit in the next uh, 20, 30 years from there in from, into oil. Then we got into natural gas in the, basically the 1950s and 60s. And the point is, all of these are fossil fuels, and they all require a central grid in terms of getting the material out of the ground and then getting it processed or whatever and then sent somewhere, either by train, by pipes, or whatever. If you go back in history, there was a guy by the name of Nikola Tesla who thought all this should be done by wireless systems. And yeah. he was absolutely correct back then. So consequently, we have a car today called the Tesla. <laughs> the guy here in California has gotten out into the market in an all-electric car. And the point is, if we had done that you know, over 100 years ago, how the world would be different today mm. in terms of cell phones and wireless systems and all the rest of it. Plus the fact, if we can get our energy from green sources, that has to do with wind, and from water, and from sun, solar, even geothermal and biosensitivity, then what you've got is a different kind of energy source. And those things can be done on-site, in people's homes or around their communities, uh, college campuses, uh, libraries, uh, government buildings, even um, academic institutions. And what you can do is generate that power. That's called on-site distributed power. And the other part of it is the central grid, which still exists. And we're going to see the central grid diminish in its impact and its influence dramatically. I think that's something that your husband's probably well aware of. Yeah, and he has also talked, he's, talk, he, he's involved with distributed power, but he's been talking a lot about microgrids. I yeah. don't entirely know what that means, but does that relate? Yeah, microgrids is part of the, the if you will, the more modern uh, uh, version of what Tesla had done in terms of wireless systems. Because now what you've got is these systems that can be done, you know, in very small amounts rather than huge buildings or complexes. They can be done in, uh, now today you can put them on your phone, <laughs> on an app. You know, you have different ways in which you're really getting communications done today with Facebook, with WhatsApp, with all these other kind of technologies that people are, particularly the, the millennial generation, is using and implementing in their own everyday lives. The point is, the bottom line is, where are you getting the power from most? It's the same with an electric car. Where is the power coming from where you right. recharge your car? If it can come from solar that's in your home or on top of your roof or on your garage and recharge that way, that's what's needed. That's on-site power. It's the microgrid, basically. It's in your home. And it's something that can also be used for other things in your home, including the washing machine, the lights in the home, or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that's actually what's happening today. Well, it's extremely encouraging. Uh, I had I had a car guy who uh, years ago I asked, so you know when we plug in, um, how much energy and how bad is it when we're plugging in a car overnight? And one of the things he mentioned to me was it depends where you're plugging in. I guess uh, it, you know some of the the coal burning power yeah, plants right. in the central part of the country are a little bit worse, for instance, yep. than yep. in New Jersey, uh, where where I am. There is a lot more percentage, a higher percentage of renewable resources being used. It's not perfect, but it's getting better. That's true. Us on the West Coast, the same kind of issue, same kind of thing. I mean, in California, we have now totally, we've had no coal plants in California. But we used to get coal sent to us from uh, what is called the Four Corners. It's, you know, New Mexico, Arizona. Yeah. Uh, Colorado. We're Colorado and, and uh, Nevada. And the coal plants have now been basically not all shut off, but we're no longer getting power from those sources. We're getting more and more renewable so uh, power from wind and solar. However, in between that comes clean uh, energy called natural gas. 
but it's still a fossil fuel, and it's yeah. still a problem. And now in California, most of its energy, well over 60%, is coming from that source. It used to come from hydroelectric. It used to be, you know, coal and whatever, but now it's coming from that. That's got to change. Yeah. And one of the problems is there's what is called fracking, where they're getting that kind of energy in the ground, underground, and it's causing great damage to the earth forever. And that's what's another issue that's come up. I saw I saw a headline to an article yesterday, which I didn't read entirely, but the headline, and I think it was from CNN, said that Oklahoma has now been designated as an earthquake it's got some earthquake designation similar to California, yeah. and it's primarily yeah. been caused by fracking. Well, and that's exactly a problem. I was giving a talk at a conference about five or six years ago in Nevada on uh, energy, and one of the guys I know who was there because he's got uh, two grown kids who are interested in energy systems and new systems, and he's from Oklahoma, and I'll never forget, I was giving my talk, it was a keynote speech, and he was in the audience, and as I'm giving my talk, I can I, was, I saw him in the audience, uh, like, uh, you know, 100, 500 people in the audience. I could see his look on his face that something had happened. And what had happened is while that talk was going on, they were actually having an earthquake not uh, about a mile from his home and in an area that had a lot of fracking. Mm. And he, I'm telling you, was so upset, he literally had to, he left, wanted to find out if his family was okay, mm. then went back to uh, Oklahoma. This is something that's happened, but it's also happening if you want to know what happened in Houston, Texas? How about other places in yeah. the south and southeast? Mm-hmm. A lot of the things that have gone on in Houston are a result of the oil and gas industry there and the pollution that they have in the air, damaging the environment and causing excessive uh, uh, rain and other kind of wind and power and hurricanes. And that's another issue. That, that these things do cause other problems besides just the earthquakes. They're horrible. Yes. And, you know, you're, you're reminding me, I just recently had a chance to talk to Jamie Redford, filmmaker yeah. who was uh, yeah. Robert Redford's son. Have you heard of his film Happening? I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. It's, uh, I'm, I'm going to highly, highly recommend it because he yeah. goes on a quest to learn about energy and what's happening and what's real in terms of, you know, people say renewable energy, what does that mean or what kind of resources yeah. do we have and are these things viable? And the, and the fact is, yes, they are. Yeah. When, when did the film come out? I, I remember um, hearing about when the- it just a couple of months back, a few months back, it was making the circuit, but it was also on HBO. Yeah. Uh, I think okay. in December, like a month ago, two months ago. Okay, I, I was I was literally in the end of the last six months or so in, in 2017. I was finishing three books. <laughs> well, so I was a little overwhelmed with things, but I, I had heard about it. I haven't seen it. Uh, but I've also been, one of my uh, enterprise or uh, entrepreneurial activities has been in the mass media, and I've actually produced a number of documentaries, not necessarily on these topics, but related to some of it. And I've also, of course, been uh, uh, helping other people doing some of their projects as well. So I've heard of this, and I'm also a member of the Producers Guild of America here in Southern California. Um, and there's a lot of issues regarding all of that. And one of the things I wanted to bring up is that you know, when uh, if people have not seen Al Gore's uh, sequel to right. Being Truth, they probably should. But they should also remember that there needs to probably be a sequel to that, which are cases of where there is actually solutions going on around the world on either stopping, preventing, or what some people call resilience to uh, environmental problems. Yep. That whole area is so very important today because it's not just a matter of accepting the problem, say, oh, well, we'll live another life or a different way or, you know, put our coats on or whatever. Um, and we here in California, here we are in early February. The temperatures here today are in the 60s. 
in two days that are estimated to be in the 80s. In the last four years, in this time of year, January and February, we've had several days an 80-degree-plus temperature in California in the wintertime when normally it's been more like the 50s and 60s. Right. So this is abnormal and causing great disaster, let alone the fires we just had in California over the last four or five months. Yeah, there were some not too far from you because I know Max's brother lives out there as well. Right, right, right. Well, I used to live in Northern California, so I was very familiar with what happened to the wine oh, uh, yeah. industry up there. Plus, people being killed, and uh, we had mudslides here in Southern California, and people die. It's just horrible, the whole thing. You can't put a value on life. No. That's the whole point. No. When someone dies because of something like this, it's horrible. Yeah, yeah, it is. So I am really looking forward to getting together with you, at least by phone, periodically, so we can get some updates on some of the cool new stuff that's happening. And you mentioned something before we started recording about solar cars, like really all solar cars. It's a real thing. That, that's exactly what I was going to bring up in closing, is that that's a, uh, done by a company in, in Beijing, China, and they make these all-solar-powered cars, and I think that's where the future's going. Aside from the fact this company has 43% of its buildings in Beijing, six buildings all powered by thin solar film uh, technology. Hmm. And the fact is I think that's what we're going to see happen. We're going to see it happen sooner than later, and we're also going to see recharging that's coming from uh, renewable sources and green power systems. And that's what the, that's what the on-site power and, and microgrid are all about. I'm really excited about some of this stuff, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to learning from you, Woody, who's great at explaining things, and you're, you're kind of right there. You understand, and you've got your finger on the pulse of all this cool, clean, green tech that's coming along. So thanks so much for your time, Woody. And okay. um, how can people find out about you and your books? Uh, you can... You know, check my name out and find them on Amazon and other places. And um, uh, I have a LinkedIn page and things like that. But All mostly, right. the, the, you, know, you can check on it and find them. I'm going to just encourage people to uh, Google Woody or yeah. Woodrow W. Clark the second, and uh, oh, oh, always, always put uh, the PhD down. Uh, and Doctor okay. Woodrow okay. W. Clark the right. second. Thank you so much, Woody. All right, take care. Bye. Want more information on this Green Dude segment and other ideas for low-stress green living? Go to thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com.